Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every great conversation happens. And I keep hitting this um, little arm here. I'm going to try to not do that all night long, okay? Remind yeah. me. If you hear it go boing, remind me. Yeah, I just heard it. <laughs> well, welcome, where every great conversation happens. And it happens because we trusted Brendan and Vomzi at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered, veteran-owned coffee coffee company. Today on the show, we have Vito Altavia. And how are you doing, Vito? I'm doing fine. And it's a pleasure to, to be here. I, it's I a pleasure. To this. Yeah, me too. And guys, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about Vito. And then we're going to jump right into it because me and Vito were talking before we went live. And I'm ready to hear so many things because you guys, he's had such an interesting life so far, and we've got a lot of things to talk about tonight. So author Vito Altavia has a background as an industrial researcher and has participated in many technological breakthroughs. I'm ready to hear about some. <laughs> now okay. retired, he lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, and is currently working on an adaptation for his book, It Began in Brooklyn. When I hear that, you know what it makes me think about automatically, like West Side Story, all those older type of movies and screenplays and musicals. So, like, I have to know. Give us some. Give us some uh, meat and potatoes here, Vito. It's 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 a little bit like that. Uh, my my uh, growing up in, in in the late '40s and '50s, <clears throat> a very different time. You know, no computers, no cell phones. Uh, no calculators. Uh, if you had a house phone, it was generally a party line. Three families would be on it, and, and if you picked yeah. it up and heard a dial tone, well, then you could then you could talk. And if you didn't, if you heard people talking, you were supposed to put it back down. But as oh. kids, we would just quietly listen until somebody said, "Is there somebody on the line?" And we would say no, and then hang up. You know? <laughs> it, it, I've done that. Yeah, I've done it, that. It, 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 it's was just. Compared to today, it's, it's almost like a different world. It was a much more innocent time. Uh, the 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 uh, the growing up, it was like, uh, you know, when my my dad, I was told my dad, we, we, this was Garrison Beach. He bought the house was five hundred dollars down and a two thousand dollar mortgage. Okay, those homes in that area now are going for like five and six hundred thousand dollars because they're only thirteen miles to the city. Wow! But but it needed work. And, yeah. and uh, he said, you know, he took a week off from work. He was a tool and a die maker and so forth. And uh, the neighbor knocked on the door. I said, what are you trying to do? He says, well, I got to do the roof. I've got some carpentry. He said, no, 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 no. Hold on. Frankie, the roofer, he's got extra shingles from a job he just finished. He'll take care of the roof. And then there's Bruce, the plumber. He'll take check out the plumbing. And so, so everybody on the block pitched in. Within a week, the whole house was ship shape. Yeah. 
And I said, well, what do I owe you? He said, no, neighbors don't charge neighbors. Oh, bless. It was as simple as that. Yeah. So I was like, I was told I was two years old at the time. And and so it was a, a much, much different time. People really respected each other. But there was also a lot of fun. Uh, whenever there was a, an event that happened, uh, like when we took down Mr. Mahoney's tree, you know, we was nine years old and allowed us to make our own bow and arrows and so forth. Yeah. And, and even a slingshot. And and that required a, a, a that was a block party right away, okay. Yeah. And and for me, uh, it was a big deal because I, I the the bow and arrow was fine, but I really wanted a slingshot. So those were fun. I, I found then. it while I was where the branches were, and I found a perfect piece. And it was a willow tree, so you could strip off the bark. And then I needed a rubber, and I couldn't find the right stretch. And I found my rubber, my mother's rubber girdle, in the laundry. <laughs> And, and I and I got it and I, and I cut it up. I knew she wouldn't. She'd blame her mother who lived with us, figuring she needed it for something. She wasn't going to argue with her mother. She'd just buy another girdle. So now I have now I have my the right type of rubber. That damn thing could stretch. And now I needed a pouch. I, I couldn't find a pouch. So I was talking to my friend Maddie, telling him about it. He says, "Hey, Sonny." He said, "They called me Sonny in those days." He says, "The nuns. This is Thursday. This is wash day for the nuns." I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, he says they got these." You know, I think they call them bras and so forth. There was, everything's on the wash line. I said, oh, okay. So I scooted over there, and I see the perfect, it was just the right size. So I shimmy up a, uh, up the pole, and I grab it, and I yank it, and I take it off the wash line. But I yanked it too hard, and I pull the whole wash line down. I run like hell to, so nobody would see me. But now I have my I have my slingshot. And and uh, when I was telling Matt, he said, he said, you took the whole line down? I said, yeah, he says, you sure nobody saw you? I said, no, no, I ran fast. I said, look, I said, look, it fits perfect. And I got a spare. Got a spare. You know, it, it was like, and but there was a, it was also a time of innocence. A, a word, a word like the word, you know, we we would come home from school, we would change our clothes, everybody would go out and play and whatever they wanted to play. Somebody's parent would yell, dinner time, and everybody would split. You go home, you have your dinner, you do your homework. Listen to the radio for about an hour. You went to bed. That was the normal routine. Yeah. But the words, words like you know, we we thought that there wasn't a lot of difference between boys and girls. Not at nine or ten years old. Yeah. You know, except that the boys had short hair, wore pants, and the girls had long hair and wore dresses. No girls did not wear slacks in those days. It was always a dress or a skirt. Yeah. Most of the time, it was a dress. So and so the word sex was never mentioned. It we wouldn't even know what it is. Yeah. Anyway. So my mother decides to, my, my friends went to pick strawberries with their parents. I didn't want to go. My mother said, come with me. I want to visit my friend, Jean. She's got two kids, one girl, Lucy. I think her name was Lucy. And she's, and, and then the son, a year younger than you. It's a four block walk. Nobody had cars. Okay. Nobody had cars. So we walked the four blocks and my mother knocks on the door and her friend says, come on in. The door's open. The screen door, screen door is there. So I, she opens up the screen door. And I walked in front of her, and just as her friend Jean was strapped the towel from a daughter who she was just giving a bath to, and I'm in shock and I'm absolutely terrified. I take a look at this kid and I say, "Ma, it's 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 gone, it's gone. She's missing a part. How is she going to pee, Mom? It's gone. Not a not a clue." And she, "Don't worry, I'll explain it to you on your way home." I said. I said, Mom, Mom but, she, but yeah, she's going to be fine. She says, you got to understand. She says, I'll, I'll tell you on the way home. So anyway, so a few hours later, we're walking home. She says, I said, Mom, Mom, 
what what happened? Is she going to be okay? She said, listen, girls don't have what you have. And, and you don't call it a peepee, it's called a penis. I said, okay, okay, mom. But what about, she says, girls have a vagina. I said, she says, if you don't have a penis, then you have a vagina. I said, well, what is it? How does it work? How, where do you find it? How, she says, that's all you got to know for now. You'll learn more when you're in high school. Right. Get back home. And I see my friends outside playing catch. I said, hey, Maddie, you won't believe what I saw today. He's about, I said, so I tell him about this girl. He says, come on, she's got to have a penis. He says, how else she, everybody pees, Sonny. You got, she got to have, I said, no, no, they don't have that. They have what they call it. <laughs> he says, really? I said, yeah. He says, listen, I got to get my glove with a play catch, but I'm going to ask my mom first before I go out. I'm going to, maybe she knows what a vagina is. She says, so he comes out five minutes later. He says, she told me the same thing your mother told me. She says, you know, girls don't have that. They have a vagina and you'll know more when you get older. And that was the first introduction to that. Of course, it was three years more before we even knew what the hell we were talking about with that, too. Anyway, wow. so that was my first introduction that there really was a difference between boys and girls at nine. Never had a clue before that. And it never and it never came up. You're so busy playing sports and homework. You know, it's just the way it was. Yeah. We, <laughs> uh, there was a there was a I know we only got a half an hour. So I'll, I'll try and encapsulate. Oh, no, you're fine. I, I I love the innocence of the story because that's part of the world that isn't captured anymore. And that's a sad thing because they keep people don't have a chance to be children. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, 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 I went to Catholic school until the fifth grade and then we moved out to Queens and we moved out to Queens because my father had two buddies of his on the block. One was Jimmy, the fireman, and, Matt, Matt, and the other one was Matty, who was a, a, a telephone linesman for the telephone company. And my father was a tool and a dye worker. And every Friday, they would get together. So this particular Friday, my father said, well, I'm going to meet Jimmy and Maddie. I'm going to go over there. And, and he said, I said, my mother said, okay, just don't be, don't drink too much. And she said, no, 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 don't worry about it. So they're in a booth, and they're talking. And the name of the bar was called Hoban's Bar. That bar is still there today. They got it as a historical site, believe it or not. That's cool. So he hears these two guys talking. Who's more of a man? How can we prove who's more of a man? Me, you, or or, or Al? You know, that was my dad's name. Yeah. So they said, well, there's so Mahoney comes up and says, there's only one way to tell. I got three kids. If my wife gets pregnant before your wife, I win. So they decided they're going to put a dollar each every Friday in the pot and let Hovens hold it, all right? About nine and a half months go by. And I got a brother, okay? <clears throat> my dad won it by two weeks. In fact, I used to tease him. I said, the only reason why you're here is because of a bet. If dad wasn't there with that bet, you wouldn't even be here. He gets very upset about that. Anyway, so so it, neighbors are talking, gee, isn't it unusual? He got three different families, and they all have a child all within two or three weeks of each other. You know, it's so unusual. <laughs> and Mahoney spills the beans to his wife. And they are pissed. The women are really upset. Yeah. They say, we thought we were having a night of passion. We kindling our marriage and all this. <laughs> and you guys are passionate because it's a damn bet. That was the yeah. beginning. Within a year, everybody had moved. You know, one went out to Suffolk County, another one Nassau, and we wound up in Queens. <laughs> and 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 then we had then I had a, a baby brother that they would never let us hold him until you know he was older. <clears throat> right. So what happened is my grandmother lived with us, okay? <clears throat> and she was 
she, she wasn't like a warm person, okay? But uh, my cousins who were two, two girls, I only had girl cousins, and, and, and they, would, they could hold a baby and come over and everybody, but not my brother and I, they wouldn't let us near the kid. So anyway, one day, they were all in there having cannolis and stuff with coffee and they're chatting away, and they got the kid in a bassinet on the side, just outside of the kitchen. And I tell my brother, Joe, he says, I, I, I got an idea. He says, just keep looking. Watch. Tell me if anybody's coming. <laughs> so he goes, okay. So I said, I'm going to pick him up. And I pick him up. And I feel like he's squirming around. He's heavier than I thought. And he slips. And he falls. And I remember my mother saying, make sure you always protect the head. And I remember sticking my foot out. And his head bounced off my foot. And then he yells and screams. So I picked up the kid and I flipped him back into the bassinet. My grandmother <laughs> comes running out. And she says, did you pick up the baby? I said, no. She says, well, how come in an Italian accent, his feet are where his head used to be and his head is where his feet used to be. And I told her, I says, he moves around a lot, I think. <laughs> baby brought it back into the kitchen. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. But, you know, I, I laugh. I laugh. This is hilarious. But, you know, life was so innocent back then that things like that were a big deal they were oh. just life like there was just life i told my brother that my kid brother and he says you dropped me <laughs> and she says, yeah but i had my foot out but he says you dropped me i said yeah well you <laughs> screamed a lot but you dropped you can't get past that you know <laughs> anyway but so, that, you know that was a thing and then of course there were always sort of events that would happen that would lead to a block party one of the ones that stay in my mind is, because this made the Daily News in 1947 to 48 at the time. Oh Jimmy the Fireman, there was a jumper, okay? He's on like the fifth floor. They had the hook and ladder, but it didn't go up that high. So Jimmy goes up as far as he can with the ladder, and then he scales up, and he jumps on where the fire escape is, and he sees the guy. Now, his back all this time is towards the street. The newspapers are there. They got cameras and all this other kind of stuff, and they see all of a sudden the guy sort of sags, and he falls over Jimmy's shoulder. They lower a harness from from the roof and let them walk him down as Jimmy's holding him, right? And and they said, what did you, Jimmy, what, what? He just seemed to, to collapse. <clears throat> he says, I told him, I said, look, there's a lot of people that really love you. They really care for you. You don't want to do this and so forth. And then with remorse, he seemed to faint. He said, well, how come he's got a bruise on that cheek? He's, I said, he must have brushed up against the building a little bit. They said, okay. Anyway, he finally leaves. The, the press leaves. <clears throat> we all know it was a lot of baloney. <laughs> so my father said, hey, Jimmy. What happened? He said, well, for, give me a beer. He says, here's the beer. He says, I got five kids to get home to. Six now since I lost the bet. He said, I got close enough to that guy. As soon as I got close enough, he said, I just hit that son of a bitch as hard as I can. And he fell over my shoulder. That, you know, that's why he got the bruise. <laughs> give, me, give me another beer. And that was a block party. <laughs> <laughs> Solving problems. That's uh, how you solve problems. Well, you have to solve problems. But that you know, that's growing up as a kid. You know, where we I got fired as an altar boy because I drank too much wine at a big mess one time. No, there was. I, I could. I picked up the Latin really quick, <clears throat> and uh, everything was in Latin in those days. <clears throat> and what happened is is uh, there's a big high mass. Okay, that's like three priests and altar boys and all that kind of stuff. And the guy a little nervous says, "Well, you know," I said. I, I got a taste of the, the, the wine because when you used to serve mass, you put so much wine in, and then if you're supposed to put water with the wine, right? 
never more than a drop got into that wine. They don't want the dilute. The, the, the guys like to drink, okay? The priests like the yeah. wine. Yeah. But I spill some once in a while on my fingers. So you like this here, and you're licking your fingers because you like the taste of the wine. <laughs> so, so, <clears throat> and once we used to nip a little bit and then put water into the into the wine little jug so that it would stay the same level. Well, this time this big high mass is coming up, and we're. I said, "Geez, this is big." So, <clears throat> I said, "I'm going to take some of the wine," and I took a little bit more than I should have. And this is going on, and the priest gets up, where everybody, the whole congregation stands up, and the pack, the church is packed, and he talks about the gospel, right? And everybody's standing up except me. I'd fallen asleep. Oh my gosh! And they did the whole mass, <laughs> and at the end, this guy is next to me. He's nudging me. He's, Sonny, Sonny, come on, come on. The mass over, you got to get up. I said, oh, is it over? I said, yeah. He said, boy, he said, the, the priest is really mad, man. He said, wait. I, so I go in there and the priest said, I want to see you. <laughs> you, 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 dis- what is it? You insulted God. You did this and that. You're fired. I don't ever, you'll never be an altar boy again. I said, eh, all right, fine. I was getting tired of it anyway. So, <laughs> so I got, I got, so I got fired as an altar boy. Oh my goodness. But I'll tell you something though. When we got to be teenagers, 13, 14 years old, in those days, they have dances for the kids. You had them at the Polish American Hall and at the YMCA. And at the Y, they would set it up where the basketball court was. They had the track around the basketball court. And they'd set up little round tables with checkered tablecloths that would go to the floor. And we would, we would, you know, they'd have piped in music of Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller and Tommy Dorsey and all that, and you know, slow stuff, fast stuff. Yeah. So I meet my friends there. I still remember the names, Mafo and Didi, and and they they lived in a different era, but we used to hook up there. Yeah. So I said, I said, I said, so I said, you guys finally made it. He says, Yeah. I said, I said, well, listen. I said, I've been looking around. I said, There's a cute girl in the corner. I'm going to ask her to dance. How about you guys? I said, well, we'll wait around a little bit. I asked the girl to dance. Keep my the table costs go to the floor. She yeah. stands up, and I go, son of a gun. She's the same height as she was sitting down. I asked a midget to dance. <laughs> I didn't know she was, I mean, a little person, right? So I got my left arm up against my side to make my arm look shorter. And so, you know, and this way, and where you put your hand behind her waist, now it's directly behind her head. Her head is above my belt buckle, and it's a slow <laughs> dance. I'm going, oh, this is not going to be good. Uh, you know, 15 years old, you don't, you know. So you can go cross-eyed very easily. <laughs> Dancing. And, and I'm, I'm moving my butt out further away. Oh, my Further God. away. I'm waiting for the song to end. Finally, it ends. She says, you want to dance again? I said, no, no. I got a part-time job. I got to go. I see my friends. I look at them. They're hanging on to each other. They're laughing. And I turn around. I said, half, the, half the room is laughing. Because I walked off the dance floor. I'm bent over because I didn't want to embarrass myself. Right? Yeah. So, oh, uh, my yeah. cheeks hurt oh. <laughs> from laughing so hard. Oh, oh. and yeah. this is being turned in. You're you're working on the film adaptation to this book that has stories like this in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I got the whole thing from the beginning. I, you know, I each the book itself has got a lot of funny stuff in it, but I set it up where each chapter was like a short story. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, the reason why I came up with the screenplay, I sent the book to Ken Burns. Mm-hmm. And his office sent me a type letter, not an email, a type letter from Florentine mm-hmm. Film saying, we like the stories. They said, we think it's got some possibilities for a movie. I said, wow. 
That's pretty interesting. So yeah. I figured the hell with the sequel. And then I sent it also to Jay Leno. His secretary called me up. Whoa. And, yeah, and said, uh, Mr. Leno told me to tell you, just just keep at it. It's all you got to find is the right party, and, but just don't quit. Yeah. So I said, well, I, well that's enough. you know. So that, I got a book on how to write a screenplay, so I wrote the screenplay. But the thing is, is that I, 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 found, I found that I, I had more fun writing the screenplay than the book because it, I, I could, I could, you, you're like God, you know, you could, re, you could really talk more, you yeah. know. And the, 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 it was talk about like the first actual date that I actually had. Now, dating in those days, totally different than from today. Yes. You got on a bus, you had a 20 minute ride to the girl's house. You knock on the door. The mother answers it. She tell her daughter to come to the door. You know. Then you had that's one fair. Then you had two bus fares. Now I had a part time job on Saturday with Louis the butcher, and where I deliver groceries. And that <laughs> this story, I have you have to let me tell you the story after this one, okay? Yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> so she comes out, and so then we get to the, the theater. I said, "Geez, that's that's three bus fares so far." Now she wants popcorn and a soda. I said, oh, that's three and a half bucks. By the time, I'm going to be out $5, man. Jesus, this is getting expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you remember the times? <laughs> so what happens? <clears throat> she, I go to put my arm around her. And all the teenagers in our time always went into the balcony in a the movie theater. That's the only place you could make out. There was no place else to go. Yeah. So so here I am. I'm, I, I go to put my arm around her. She's don't no don't do that. I don't don't do that. Let me I have to finish my popcorn and soda first. I said, I'm not three and a half bucks. I haven't even kissed this. I'm already down this much money. So another 15 minutes go by. She finally finishes the popcorn and tells me, You can put your arm around me now. I go, All right, fine. So we start kissing. After about 15 minutes, she stands up and I, and I'm sort of shocked. One breast is here and the other one is down by his stomach. I got I'm getting excited over foam rubber. I hope this doesn't, I hope I don't get a fetish over this because <laughs> the foam rubber felt pretty good. Oh so my so she, comes, she leaves, she comes back. Of course, everything's back in place. And it was just, the rest of the night was kind of flat. It was Ooh. just, it wasn't just the same. So yeah. I'm telling this to my friend, Matty, he said, you know, it was, uh, I said, he, he says, he said, you get these experiences. He says, it's not like, you know, Everybody has that happening. He's, but if, you know, I said, I still don't know what one feels like. I'm trying to find out what a breast feels like 15 years old. I still don't know. He's <clears throat> so, like, I've, I've only touched foam. <laughs> it was all foam rubber, yeah. So I, I didn't date her again. I, a few months go by, I meet this other girl, and she's she's close. But uh, and I, what the hell? I forget what her name was. Anyway. We go to the theater, and, and she didn't want any popcorn because she was healthy. She didn't eat junk food and so forth. I said, "This is fantastic, man. This is this is oh, I said, man. I'm only I'm already up ahead to a couple of bucks, you know." So <clears throat> we start carrying on, <clears throat> and what happened is I had a big bologna sandwich that day, and bologna sandwiches. I didn't realize it at the time, but gave me gas. Oh my. And 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 now I, I feel this rumbling, and I figure, oh geez, I gotta I gotta excuse myself or something like that. But before I could do that, I felt the sneeze coming on. Now, when you sneeze, certain parts of your body go on a holiday. Yeah. I sneeze, and there's this loud noise. But dang! And somebody, <laughs> took, 
is that a gunshot? And some guy says, yeah, if he shot somebody with his ass. <laughs> so, so I said, so I'm, saying, I'm making believe it's not me. She says, I know it was you. I could feel the vibrations. I just want to go home now. Oh, my God. I said, so I said, so I'm telling my friend Maddie about it. He goes, uh, he, he's, he, he's laughing so hard. I said, you know, but I said, at least I know what a breast feels like. <laughs> but I won't feel that one again. <laughs> well, what the thing is, is that when we went to high school, I went to high school in, in, in the city and, and I, I, I take a bus that go under the over, uh, underpass from the highway, get on a bus that's a 25 minute ride, then get on the subway. And, and I noticed something, uh, it's rush hour. And I see these these two nuns with a little basket, okay? And, they, and guys are dropping change and sometimes, you know, some dollars into it. And they'd make a move and the hand would disappear into the habit and come back and the, the basket would be empty. I go, I'm looking at them. I said, they're really pulling in some money. So I tell my friend Moff, I says, I said, those, those two nuns. He says, you sure they're really nuns? I says, yeah, I think so. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to take off from school tomorrow. He says, I'm going to go there really early and see what they're doing. He comes back after he, lunchtime. We hook up. He goes, he says, they got to be pulling in a couple of hundred dollars in the morning. He says, they're making more money in the morning than my dad works make, makes in a week. Yeah. I said, well, what do you want to do? He says, we got to become nuns. We work 42nd Street. We'll take turns. I said, yeah. He said, we don't shave. We can change our voice. We said, all we got to do is get habits. We got to get some nuns' habits. We spent the next four weeks, we knocked on uh, costume shops. They just chased us out of here. Get out of here, kid. I don't know what you're planning. Get out of here, you know. <laughs> went to, we even went to a, a, a Catholic uh, hospital where old nuns were dying, telling them that, listen, if they, we, we can use the habits because our mom can make clothes from them for the poor. And they, nobody bought it. We tried everything to get those <laughs> those habits, okay? Because we, we if we took our time, you know, each one of us, we we could make a lot, a lot of money, but uh, we never could pull it off. But now th there was uh, now uh, no, nobody had, uh, you know, we we have these, exp you know, the closest you ever came was really kissing and hugging and stuff like that. There was never anything more than that. Yeah, but. There was a, a big surprise in my life is, was when I was with uh, working for Louis the Butcher. In those days, I had, you know, they had the, the, the bike with the little wheel in the front and the big basket on top, you know, in the front that mm -hmm. would hold bags, okay? So I go in there Saturday morning. Louis said, listen, there's, I got a big order for Fanny. He said, she's only four blocks from here. Just make sure, you know, help her out and so forth. I says, yeah, no problem. So I go there and I, I knock on the door. She says, who is it? I says, it's me, Sonny. I said, from Louis the Butcher. She says, the door's open, Sonny. Come on in. Take take the bags out. Put them in the kitchen. I'll be down in, the, in a minute. Now, San, Fanny's like 70-plus years old, okay? She's a little she, – you know, time has not been kind to Fanny, okay? She's hunched over a little bit. She's, she's a little little dopey, okay? <laughs> she comes down in a house dress. I still remember orange and red flowers, like big splotches of flowers like this here. And she had a house just with snaps. The snaps went from here down to just below, uh, just above her knee. She didn't snap all the snaps. She tells me, you do the, put the, put these here in the bottom shelves. I'll do the ones on the top because I don't want to bend down 
too, too much. Because if I get down by my knees, she says, I have trouble getting up. But this way, hey, she says, I could just bend over and pick it up. She, I said, okay. Well, when she bends down, her dress flies open. She's got nothing underneath. Her oh, my word. Oh, looks like we lost Vito, but he should be back very soon. We're going to give him just a few minutes so we can hear some more of his lovely stories. I don't know about you guys, but I'm having a great time hearing Vito's stories. He has some great, great stories. And I don't know about you guys, but when you think back of the days that in our past and the history of the world itself, um, it's just amazing the, the way time changes. Time has changed so many things in the world and how it's not as innocent as it used to be. I look at the world when I was growing up, and it's funny when I talk to my husband, how he says, which cousin is this? Which sister is this? Which uncle is this? Because I have so many family members. And he says, are you blood related to all these people? And I tell him, well, no, this is this cousin because of this or because of that. And this or the other so it just we were we were related to all of them because they were just family the neighborhood that i grew up in was just family and the world has definitely changed so i am going to put our intro video back up to give you guys something to look at besides me talking because i already talked this morning and hopefully Vito will be back with us by time our intro video is um, done. If not, then we will bring him back on to finish his interview another time. Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the author's porch is a beacon of light, bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. I got back. I don't, I don't know what happened. It could have been a number of things. Well, we're so glad you're back. I was just talking to the audience about um, the changes in the world and how our day and your day and age, and then even when I was growing up, how everyone seemed like family to you. And um, it's not that way anymore. People kind of stick to themselves. But I'm so glad yeah. you're back. You want me to finish the story with Fanny? Yeah, definitely. Yes, please okay. do. Yeah. So anyway, so every time Fanny opens, bends down, there's this mini afro pops out. And she ah. stands up and it, it disappears. If she bends down, it pops out. She stands up and disappears. <laughs> I'm 15. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I just want this thing to end as soon as possible. So um, about half a dozen more times, she says, well, Thank you, Sonny. She says, 
you you really a big help. She gives me a quarter tip. A quarter tip was a good tip, you know. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, okay, Miss Fan. I go back to the thing I tell Louis. He says, you'll never guess what I saw this this morning. So I'm describing to him what I saw. He, he said, he's, he can't stop laughing. He says, he says, welcome to dealing with the public, Sonny. Get used to it. And I said, uh, all right, all right. A mini <laughs> afro. I just can't. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> he said a mini afro puff. <laughs> oh yeah, it was like a mini afro puff. It was, and it was, I still was, it was gray and black. I could still remember the color of it. It was, <laughs> it, was it was, it was a lot of, it was, there was a lot of hair. It, it, there was a lot of hair that I was still, I still remember today. Going, damn, I can't. Wow, I mean, it was really unusual. <laughs> So growing up in Queens, we're we're getting the life story of growing up in Queens, but you left there at some point. What made you leave, um, you or your family, leave Queens? Oh, well, my, my, my parents actually stayed there until they, they'd lived there until the, the end of their lives and so forth in Queens. Uh, in those days in high school, when you graduated, the draft was still in, 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 okay. in the country. Mm-hmm. And you had a choice. You were either going to get drafted right away or you could go to college, okay? And then you would be deferred for the four years. Mm-hmm. So, or you could enlist. So my friends and I, uh, I said, I'm gonna, I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this over with first. So, so I, uh, I, I enlisted in the Navy and I was, they assigned me to a, a construction outfit called the Seabees. So my, my deal was two years of active duty and then four years in the reserve, which is great because that ended about the same time I graduated college. So, you know, by the time 63 came around, I was done with the military. I had nothing, no problems. I carried my discharge papers with me for five years mm-hmm. because there were a lot of draft dodges then and so forth. And I, so I wouldn't have a problem. Yeah. But that was an education in the military. Now, I don't have this here. <clears throat> this is all in the book. But <laughs> uh, we, had, I had a, we put together a rock and roll band, okay? And, and in fact, they can actually Google it, 1957 or 58, uh, we were playing at our, our annual birthday party, the Batania's birthday party, and we we had our band was called. First of all, we all chipped in and got this Jaguar limousine, fifty one. It's huge. We held Fancy. all the instruments, okay? Yeah. And we played at Casablanca, Tangiers, Marrakesh. We played well because it was still French, French Morocco, and Spanish Morocco. And we played in in French Morocco. Our mm. base was in the capital, which is Rabat, and and so you know we 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 were making a lot of money. Uh, I made more money than anyone else because I would listen. When you were in those days, there was the black market and all that kind of stuff. But nobody would bother you if you were a musician. Okay, they just wouldn't bother you. They figured that that was your thing, unless mm-hmm. you wanted to be bothered. So you know, you knew all the girls, but you, you just kept your distance because it was always it would be trouble. So there were there were hookers and bar girls and all that kind of stuff. But you know, they all had the same problem. They used to complain. I used to hear them complain about it all the time. You'll never guess what that was. You want to guess? No, no, I can't imagine. I'll tell I mean, you. They all complained about one thing. Cold feet. They always complained when they went to bed at night because the, because the desert got down to 40 degrees, 45 degrees at night. They okay, all complained yeah. about cold feet. So I'm telling my mother, I says, Ma, I'm sending her my money and so forth. Send me so many dozen, you know, Pairs of wool socks, you know. Wow. And she sent them to me, and, and, and I'm 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 selling them like crazy. I'm making money on these socks. Then I said, well, if I do that, then I could probably uh, I'm gonna start telling tell, send me bras and 
underwear, but you know, sexy underwear and stuff like that. Yeah. She, I get a letter from her. She says, "Son, what are you doing?" <laughs> I'm, 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 I've got two novenas going a week now. I'm really worried about you. My father says, don't tell her what you're doing anymore. It's costing me a fortune. Her going to church all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, and so, so you know, we, we, that one year in North Africa paid for my first three years of university. Wow. Okay. So, you know, that worked out pretty good. Now, the thing is, is that, and there were incidents there and so forth, but, the one thing is when when I got I got a cut for school, you can get up to three months cut for school because you want to start. You know, I took my college boards at the University of San Juan. I could have gone to Carnegie Tech or RIT, and I wound up with RIT. Anyway, my last job in the Navy for the last five or six days, they sent me to Brooklyn Navy Yard, and at that time, and that's gigantic, and you know you see guys swabbing decks. Or cleaning toilets and so forth. I said, I don't want any to do with that stuff. The guy says, Hey, he says, You're getting ready. He says, Listen, you got any you got any experience with the med- medical? I said, I'm looking around. I said, I said Yeah, I lied. <laughs> I said, well, he said, They're shorthanded and prenatal. Here's where you show up tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. I said, Okay, fine. I look, I got it. I didn't know what prenatal was. So oh my gosh. Yeah, I said, Oh my gosh. Now, um, I, I, I'm out of the Navy. I'm now 19 years old. My job was, <laughs> my job was to take pregnant women that would come in anywhere from three months to really close. Okay, mm-hmm. tell them to go into the room, take the clothes off, change themselves, put into a, a gown, and get into this chair with stirrups that went like this. They looked like they were flying. Yep. Okay? And then roll up the roll up the gown to get ready for inspection by the doctor. I saw, I counted, I don't remember what it was, I had a 36 or 37 vaginas that week, which is more <laughs> than I ever saw in my entire life. And and they were not all, they were not, you know, in 19, I go, wow, the three months, you know, they're not all pretty. When, yeah, you, know, no. when the, you know, a couple of weeks to go before they're, you know, you go, oh. Not pretty at that stage. <laughs> no, 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 that wasn't pretty at all. I'm like, damn. But it's an education. I got yeah. it. And I was always fascinated. I said, how the hell is that? I mean, a baby's head is that big. God damn. Damn. <laughs> it's got to stretch more than my slingshot. <laughs> I'm going back to the slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I wanted to tell you something that we have in common, Vito. Um, you were a CB in the Navy, which does, I'm familiar with the CBs because I worked with them quite often. Um, mm-hmm. I was in the Air Force for 20 years and I was in civil engineering. So I did construction oh. and base maintenance stuff. So we are kindred spirits as far as oh, that yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah so we, that was know, very interesting. We, 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 that base was something like 27 square miles. It was a major base. And you had even a, a, a section of it was like like set up like for, for dependents, and we yeah. put in a new school, we put in uh, uh, sewer lines and so forth. We even did some for the for the king who was Mohammed the fifth at the time, wow. uh, and so forth. But when it was time for us to leave, they said this LST, you know, landing ship tank. That's a big big ship. It mm-hmm. had a deck gun. That's all it had was a deck gun. It's not <laughs> a warship. Anyway, yeah. they considered it a warship, and they wouldn't let us do anything. So they flew us out to Gibraltar, and that's where we got. That's where we got on it. Now, have you ever? You know about Gibraltar? It's really a hollow rock. 
I mean, the thing's hollow. Yeah, I was in England for four years, and I met Queen Elizabeth and um, did a lot of stuff over there. I love, yeah, I learned but a there's lot, a lot of monkeys too. places. <laughs> there's a lot of monkeys. We They get us out of the plane, and we're lined up, okay? And and <laughs> there's this British officer comes over, and he's got like short pants with a swagger stick. Now, if you're in the CBs, we are the most unmilitary group of guys you ever saw, okay? Yeah. You guys want to say, I want you to stand at attention. Guys, screw off. Who the hell are you? You're not even in our army, you know, and so forth. <laughs> and he'd get all pissed off and go to our commanding officer. Yeah. So we'd, we'd be straightened up. And we're, we're attention. And, and, and all of a sudden, here, whack, whack. They said the monkeys are throwing monkey shit at us. And we're, getting, we're ducking like this here because, you know, they're, they're flying in. And, and, and one of the guys, the British, they set it up. I know they set it up. And, <laughs> and then they blew a whistle or something. And then the monkeys would disappear. And we're, we're covered with, you know, we got any hit over here and here. And and and, and then the following day, of course, we got onto our, our ship and oh, then we were on our way home. Yeah, the British are pretty wild. There's a wild group of um, gentlemen and folks. So, yeah. <laughs> they, they're fun though they're definitely fun oh I, you know it, it was a, a lot of it was a giggle it really, really yeah was. absolutely but, so uh, what did you study in college i was i, I was a chem major okay okay awesome but, but then, uh, go ahead my my, my I, I worked with this one company I, yeah i had the second i had the second highest paying job out of graduating class and, and it was out of Montreal. So it was at that time, the Canadian dollar was worth 10% more than the American dollar. Mm. So I was, my base pay was 6,500 plus, plus, uh, plus a car, plus expenses and so forth. And that was the second highest paying job from the graduating class. My second year there was up to 10,000, my third year, like 15. And, and then I, I said, you know, this is, it's boring, you know? So I, I was talking to a guy I said, you know, what's, what do you think the, uh, we're talking about cheap raw materials that could be converted. And the one thing that nobody had ever known much worth for at least a hundred years was just plain old cornstarch. Mm. So I can, I got some funding, I got some financing and funding on it. And I, and I was working with these people and it took, a, it was about a two or three year project to, to have something. They figured to give it a shot. And we did do it. We, we actually built our own small reactors. Uh, we were running at the, um, Oh, we're up to like 5,000 PSI at about 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit mm -hmm. uh, with Terminal 66, a special heating liquid. And we would do uh, starch blends and so forth and run it through. And and uh, so you have many explosions and all sorts of stuff. I won't even go into that. But <laughs> the one, there's some funny stuff. There's a lot of funny stuff that happens in research. This Terminal, we, this terminal 66, it, you know, it, we had a pinhole in the reactor, we could never find it. And the only time it would drip is when it got hot. But when that thing hit, one drop there, and a room would smell of dog shit. I mean, it would reek, you know? Uh, and we, after a while, we all smelled of that, okay? Yeah. So, you know, so after a while, he said, you know, we've been going for two days straight. I'm, look, I'm, I'm tired of watering pizza. I'm going to go to the store and order some, go, go get some cold cuts and stuff like that. So I go to the store, and I, I forgot that what I smell like. So... <laughs> I go and, say, and I hear some woman says, I was saying, there's some guy, but has checked the bottom of his shoes. And I smell dog shit on it, you know. <laughs> it's really bad. And somebody else saying, then somebody else would say something. Oh my God, what does that smell? And I realized, oh, Jesus, me. So I, I get my stuff as fast as I can. I go up to the counter, and the guy goes, son of a bitch, it's you. 
just get out of here. Don't even just get out of here. Oh my God. You have an uncanny ability to make, turn everything funny. And I love that. You know, if, if the film turns out like the way you are, good Lord, you're going to have a lot of people killing over in the theater, Vito. (laughs) You want to hear something funny? Yeah. I, 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 I met this church. And, and you know they're talking about a Bible study and so forth on on a on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> so I find this interesting because the guy the guy's really really good. So I was talking to this guy I said you know I said what we used to do every Friday up in Montreal. He said what? Well, I said we used to go to the strip club. Now this is a religious thing we're talking about, right? Uh-huh. He says he says you went to a strip club every Friday. I says yeah, at lunchtime. You went? Why would you go there? He says you know why, why would you go? There? I said, they made the best pizza man for three dollars and fifty cents in a glass. You had an eight-inch pizza and a glass of beer. He went, "Yeah." I said, "You know, the girls would come around. They knew that you were the guys that you were the guys that wanted the pizza. You weren't there for anything else because you had to go back to work." Yeah. And you know, you tell them, "Just look, stay away from me. I want to eat my pizza." Because they, they all walk around naked. They're mm-hmm. totally naked. So the last thing you want to do is see somebody you're eating pizza and the person says, "You know what? Is eye level with you?" You really don't want to see that eye level when you're having a pizza. Yeah. You know, you know so so <laughs> he says, you he says, you go to strip and just for pizza. I said, they said they made the best pizza, man. I gotta tell you. He says, you know, he says guy says I said, where do you get these experiences? I says, then I said, it's just the way things happen, you know. <laughs> you're so open to it. Yeah, so, you're like, my life is a wonderland. You just gotta live it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you know, we all have our downs and and, and our, our ups and downs and so forth. That's all part of life, okay? Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't dwell on a negative. It doesn't do any good, okay? Yeah. And somebody absolutely. said, you know, what, what, what advice? I said, you know, you can't look back unless you want to look back, and it's fun, okay? But it, it doesn't accomplish anything. The past is the past. So what do you do? I said, get up every day. So you look forward to the day. You know, enjoy the day and look forward to tomorrow. That, mm. that That's all you can do, you know. That's I mean, true. life is too short to just be, oh, woe is me and all this other kind of nonsense. It's, it's, that's, 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 that's a lot of crap. Yeah. But we had, uh, I've, I've been I've been fortunate and, and uh, a lot of, uh, I'll give you one political story, okay? Okay. There was, <laughs> there was a debate between Reagan and Carter, okay? And oh, I was wow. down. I was in Atlanta at the time, and we were listening to it. And 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 Jimmy Carter said, you know, what, what, he was asked a question. He said, "Well, the most important thing to him, I asked my daughter Amy what the mo- what's the most important thing to her, and she said, now the kid's seven years old, and he tells the world his daughter says nuclear proliferation. You can't even pronounce the word, okay? So everybody <laughs> that's in that room goes, oh my, that's the end of him, man. He's done. And sure enough, it was so. We figured, you know, okay, look, they got this big club here in Atlanta. Let's 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 uh, let's go there. You know, they got live music and so forth. So you know, I guess it was a half a dozen of us. So we go there, and 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 I was looking around, and you know, I'm, I'm married at the time. I don't I don't I don't fool around, but I mean, there's there's still a lot of fun you can still have. <laughs> so they they said, well, he says, I'm going to ask that girl over there to dance. He said, what? She she's. They said, look at this, Vito. She's naked down to the waist. I said, yeah. I said, well, I never asked anybody to dance that was half naked, you know, 
when are you going to jump into and ask a girl to dance that's half naked? That's not your wife. I mean, no, it's a, it's an event. So <laughs> it shows you how, how naive you are on certain words. So I'm dancing with her. She wanted to She's, oh, yeah, okay, fine. And I'm dancing with her. And I, I said, I said uh, what do you do? She's, oh, I'm a working girl. I said, yeah, well, what, do you, what kind of work do you do? A secretary, paralegal, what? She says, no, I'm a working girl. I said, yeah, I know. I said, you told me that, but what, what, what do you do? She says, where the hell do you come from? I says, I, I says, I'm Montreal right now. She says, oh, my God. And she, has, and she just walked off the floor. So the guys are saying, what happened? She just walked off the floor. I said, I don't understand it. She kept saying she's a working girl. And I asked her, what, secretary, paralegal? They said, Vito, that means hooker. Oh I said, I, I never heard the word. I never heard the expression before. So I danced with a hooker. But <laughs> I also danced with the entire female Olympic basketball team. Wow. Yeah. Remember Studio 54? I've heard of it, yeah. yeah. And there was another club, not as big, but it was called Xenons. All right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Julie Newmar, who's a, she's the cat woman, bit of a flake. I, I said, hello, <laughs> and she goes like this with her hands. She's like this, she's still a cat. I got it. Yeah. Oh. So I went some friends of mine, and 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 they had the uh, women's female Olympic basketball team there. Okay. The shortest woman there is like six foot. Okay. And they had wow. some six two, six three. So I'm with this friend of mine, Steve. I says, and the music is really good. I says, and they, they're asking, they're dancing. I says, I said, I'm going to dance with that. I says, I said, when are we going to get the opportunity to dance with an entire the Olympic basketball female basketball team? What are you going to do? I'm going to ask him to dance. I'm dancing. I'm changing partners with each one of them. You know, I'm having a good time for myself. But, um, yeah, I danced with the uh, female Olympic Olympic basketball team. You you know what you remind me of? There's a song by One Republic, and I've always said that it's a song that when I go, I want them to play this song and remember me. And it's called I Live because it says no matter what, no matter what, I want everyone to know that I've lived. I've taken every moment in my life and I've lived. I've not sat there. I've not wallowed. I've not done anything other than lived. I've climbed the highest mountains. I've done everything I set out to do and yeah. I've lived. And you remind me of that song because You've lived, like you've done the things that you've wanted to do. <laughs> and like you said, life hasn't been perfect, but you've lived it. And now you're yeah, telling yeah. the stories and it's beautiful. You have to put yourself out there, okay? Yeah, you're going to get yeah. hurt, okay? Yeah, you're going to have disappointments. But, you know, you take a look around it and, you, you know, you say, you know, God bless me, man. I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. You know, I, I got yeah. a great wife. We're married. Like, oh my God, we're married 60 years. Wow. Got a couple of great guys and terrific grandkids and so forth, you know. And you take a look around and said, there's a lot to be grateful for. And, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, but there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff happens in this world. Yeah. But there wasn't the meanness that you have today, okay? Uh, yeah. We, there's a mutual respect. Uh, I mean, my, my uh, you know, when, when, when I look back, uh, some some really funny things. Like my mother was raised uh with without a father when he was he was killed when he was like 30 mm-hmm. and he was a sandhog on construction on this on the building the subway and a guy a guy operating one of those clamshells like that was drunk operating it and cut him in half and he lived oh. like that for about a half an hour my grandmother kept her two daughters and son alive she had an ability she could make buttonholes before the machine she could and and she would bring her home there's no social security in those days that's yeah. how she kept them going cold water flat 
every every Saturday for a nickel for a nickel they could get uh, take a shower at the Greek place, you know, uh, and that's the way that that's the way they grew up. Yeah. So you know, they, they, people made do. That now they lived on what they call Mott Street. On one, the next street over was Chinatown, and the street over from Mott Street was Delancey Street, where all the Jewish people were. And there's always, you know, hello, Hawaii. There was always mutual respect, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was different, but you know, uh, you just just that's part of the world. Yeah. But uh, you know, the thing is, is that what what you what you see is is, is uh, <laughs> I know, I know for a fact. If you want to talk about athletic, I know for a fact I was the first person to break a four-minute mile. Really? Yeah, I really was, and that happened when I was stationed in North Africa, Morocco. Wow. We were not allowed to wear our uniforms there, and it was a. I just had shine my shoes, and some Arab kid came along with his bicycle and runs over my shoes. So I yanked him off the bike, and I said, "You know, you know, you don't do that kind of stuff." And I put him back down, and then you feel like there's some people behind you. So I turn around and I look and then I start walking away and they start walking behind me. And then I see this morning a few, there's like about a dozen guys behind me and they start walking fast and I start walking fast and I take off and I'm running. To this day, I'll never forget the feeling. I remember looking at my legs going, I said, I can't believe my torso's along for the ride. My legs are just going. I'm not even puffing, man. Adrenaline is going like crazy. And, and, and I left them behind. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I broke the four minute mile that day. You were done. You were absolutely done. But you know when here's something funny. In 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 Quebec, very Catholic. There was this little guy called Brother Andre. This is around the turn of the century, nineteen oh six and nineteen oh seven. He was like four and a half feet tall and he, he wanted to suffer for God, you know. A bit of a flake. He used to wear hair shirts. And sleep in a hammock and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> he wanted to build this church, and, and it's called Saint Joseph's Oratory. It's the plainest church that you've ever seen. Okay, but if you go in there, you'll see hundreds of of of, 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 of uh, wheelchairs and, and crutches and so forth, all hanging on the wall of things that are supposedly was you know miraculously saved. Well, one day when I was there, one time headline. Now, when you went into that church, they had Brother Andre's heart. It carved out his heart. And that's the first thing you see when you open up the door. It's a little macabre. But then everybody goes, oh, you know. Headline one day is somebody stole Brother Andre's heart. It was gone. And they, they, they got the RCMP, provincial police. Everybody's looking for Father Brother Andre's heart. Oh, my word. Two years go by. No. And then it, it's, they found it. Somebody must have returned it, and they put it on the steps of the church. Oh. Now you can still see Brother Andre's heart, but they got bars in front of it now. Well, oh, my word. <laughs> that's wild. Like, who? Mm, like, who's going to? Like, that's got me crazy. <laughs> like, uh, it, 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 people are crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, they stole his heart. Yeah, that made the headlines. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I could sit here and listen to stories all night long of the things that you've experienced and seen and been through in your life, Vito. This has been an amazing talk. Like, just you are hilarious. Your stories are hilarious. Your outlook on life is refreshing because 
we need more people that have an outlook like you on life. We need more stories about those old days because people need to remember that when you can collaborate and actually think together collectively that way, yeah, life is so much more better. And, and I know and that's get, not proper English. More better is not proper English, but you know no, what I mean. But you know what it is? But you get more from other people. Yeah, absolutely. Get, when when you when you when you want to cut off a typical group and so forth, you know, somebody says, "What do you think the country is?" And and uh, I said, "You know, I said you should count our blessings." I said, "Well, people don't realize this is a country of color." I mm. said, "And that's really a good thing because every gen, every generation, every group has a lot of positive things going for it." I said, yeah. "Think of it in terms of a painting, okay? If you see a big canvas and there's only like lines drawn on it, eh, it's kind of boring. You give it color." And it comes alive. Yeah. And that's what we are. And we should embrace all of that. Yeah. And and I've always felt that way because I've I've met some incredible people. I've I've met some very wealthy people that were just incredibly stupid uh and, and prejudiced and so forth. And I've met yeah. others that were just just wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. And and uh it, 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 it has nothing to do with income group or something. Either you're just a good guy or not. The one thing I get a kick out of, I don't see them using the word anymore, this false narrative, those two words. Well, in those, we used to call it a liar, okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what the false narrative is. And the biggest biggest insult you could call somebody in those days when I was a kid was a liar. Oh, my God, oh. nobody told you. You know, you, you didn't do things like that. No, that's that that was you go toe-to-toe in the street. You call someone a liar, oh, you're yeah. going outside. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's true. No, it's it, 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 it's there's some wonderful things out there, you know, and and you look and, and you see the diversity of progress that this country has made is because of the the diversity of the people. Yes. That's why we're the strongest company in the country in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna have you have your ups and downs. Every country does. Right now, we got uh, you know I you know I, I'm not going to be political either one party or another. But stupid is stupid and dumb is dumb, and you can't yes. you, know, you can't teach dumb. It's a gift from the devil, you know. It's dumb as dumb, but you know, Amen. you keep a border open and so forth. Somebody was telling me, you know, you shut your pipeline down, you get let Russia build that pipeline, and now we're buying oil from Russia. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's it's insane. Yeah, but that'll change. We mm. always have. America always has the ability to come back. It it always does. It's done yeah. it over and over and over again. We continually found- rebuild. Yeah. Yeah, the foundations we were built on and what we stand for will always allow us to continue to stay strong. I agree with you 100%. You're absolutely right. So if you you could give one piece of advice to anybody out there, what would be a piece of advice from Vito Alavila? Embrace every morning. Embrace the day, okay? And like I said before, and, and look forward to tomorrow, okay? And no matter how bad things are, there's always a different, there's, there's always a funny side to it. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and try, try and focus on it. Hey, it keeps your blood pressure low. You yes, know? that's true. And, that's and, true. uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's just a wonderful thing. You know, I, I, I marvel at, I, I just find that the, the kids today, if, if they've gotten a proper education, are so much smarter. They know so much more than we did at that age. My God, were we naive? Well, we ever naive? Oh my God, compared to today. Yeah, it kind of worked uh, out for us to be naive. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to leave you one funny date that I had. Okay. Okay. When I was 16, I finally got the, we finally got a car. We finally got the got rid of the 39 Buick. Now we had a little station wagon, and I had a date, and I saw my mother making these figs, and she put brandy in them and soak them for a week. And man, you know, good brandy, they're delicious. I said, I got a date coming up. I'm going to go get buy my own my figs. I'm going to use my mom's brandy, and I made a jar of 12 figs. So I meet this girl, Lily, and, and, and I said, she says, we're going to the drive-in movie. I said, I said, uh, she's, we're going to stop me a candy and, you know, popcorn. I said, no, no, I got a special treat. I said, what is, she said, really, really? She said, what is that? I said, I'm not going to tell you until we get there. Because she said, okay, Sonny, what is it? What is it? I said, taste this. I said, I made these. I made these. What is it? I said, they're figs, but with brandy. And just take, take a bite. She goes, <laughs> oh, these are good. And she eats one for, she said, can I have another one? I said, yeah. I said, don't eat them all. I said, we got a dozen. And if we eat them all, the only thing we're going to do is go to sleep. So she goes, says, oh, my God, these are so good. So I didn't have to pay for any popcorn or soda that day, that <laughs> night. We're making out. The, the, the car was so seen. We couldn't see the. It was, it was so steamy inside the car. We couldn't even see the movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and telling my friends about the figs. I said, hey, guys, I, said, I got a fig date. So that was the big thing we got. So I gave him my recipe for a fig date. Oh, my gosh. You were a legend after that, huh? <laughs> you were the fig legend. Yeah, oh, it was, it was a big deal, man. That's too funny. Where can people reach you at if they want to get a hold of you or grab a copy of your book? It's 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 Vito Altavilla. Uh, excuse me. It's a beganinbrooklyn.com. That's my website. Beganinbrooklyn.com. Yeah, awesome. And, 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 you know, it gives a nice little... Uh, you know, uh, who I am, what it is, and so forth and so forth. And you're better off buying it through the, through that. You'll get it a lot faster and so forth. Of course, it's on Amazon as well, but I prefer going right through directly with the with the publisher. It's it's, it's self-publishing, which is Book Baby, and they, they've they been pretty good. Yeah, but, definitely uh, grab it because there's a lot more stories in there other than the ones we talked about here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and the ones that we haven't that aren't in a book and so forth and so forth. Uh, oh, my God. I could talk to you for so long. Uh, I, you, want, you want to hear one story about my grandfather? Always. You yeah. got time? Yeah, go for it. Okay. In those days, my my grandfather came over like 1890s and so forth. And he was one, the last one of 24 kids. Wow. And his father had like went through three wives. <clears throat> and of the 24 kids, 23 were boys. His brother, who was one year older than him, came over about a year or two before him. And he gets over and... and People are just clamoring for people because, you know, there was so much work at that time. They needed workers and so forth. So he gets a job and soon he gets off the boat. So he sees his brother. He says, you know, I'm working all the time. I don't have time to see a girl or anything like that. I'd like to settle down and get married a little bit. He says, here's what you do. He says, this is what you did. He says, yeah, here's the way I got married. Three blocks from here is a Catholic orphanage. You knock on the door. The nun's going to answer. <laughs> you tell her. You're a good Catholic boy, and you want to raise your kids in the Catholic Church because you want to do the best you can for God. She's going to smile at you. She's going to take your hand. She's going to take you to another room, and she's going to bring out half a dozen girls, 16, 17-year-old girls. I said, yeah. I said, you smile at them all. I said, the one that smiles back, that's the one you say, okay. You go into another room, the priest marries you, and you come back, and you're married. You got a wife. Oh, my gosh. And that's how, I, that's how, that's how we met my grandmother, who we always called Fat Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary. 
Now, what happened is, and that's that's we nobody knows where she came from, or no, nobody ever did know. Oh she my came. word! Well, uh, it, there was Louis the Butcher was closed one one weekend because they were doing some renovations. Louis so the Butcher. Yeah. So I figured I, I helped my grandfather out, so I go visit him, and I see he's got a black eye. I said, I said, what happened, Grandpa? I says, he says, you know, they got this thing they're going to bring. They call it the burlicue. It was burlesque. He used to call it burlicue. He says, it's, they're just opening it up. And they said, they got a, they got a, you know, an, an opening night. You can bring your girlfriend or your wife, you know, and she gets in free. So he says, uh, so he says, I said, yeah. He said, well, I took your grandmother there. And and he says, I went up in the balcony. He said, the first row, so there's nobody in front of us. We can see everything. He says, he says, Sonny, you got to tell you, they got beautiful women. They had legs. I didn't know girls could have such beautiful legs like that. I said, well, what about grandma? He said, hey, she's got legs. She's got functional legs. These are really <laughs> nice legs. Functional legs. She just, he said, they're just functional. You know, and she's a pretty good cook. I said, well, what about the rest of it? He said, uh, you, know, you do what you got to do. I said, okay. I said, well, how'd you get the black eye? He says, I told it was like Radio City and there'd be a movie. And so after about 20 minutes of watching these girls come out, he says, I can't tell you, he says, I think I, I think I got married too soon. But God, he says, there were more girls with more beautiful legs. And she, your grandmother kept asking me, when does the movie start? When does the movie start? He said, I finally told her, I said, there's no movie. She says, yeah, you son of a bitch. She says, you just came from those women. He says, he said, she hit me with a pocketbook and she had a change person there, put me in eye, and that's how I got the black eye. I said, I said, I said, I said, he got in trouble. He got caught. He got yeah, caught. Yeah. But he says, boy, he said, but I got to tell you, now I know. I said, well, he said, you know, you got what you got, you know. He said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. He says, I try not to think of it. He says, but I dream of those legs. He says, I said, grandma's okay. He says, eh. he says you know, she's functional got, legs. You know, <laughs> they work, you know, they work, you know. <laughs> That is too much. I have had such a great time talking to you, Vito, and I cannot wait till the film comes out, till you are on the big screen so I can laugh with my family here and watch all of the wonderful things that you're doing. Um, you guys, make sure you go over and check out the website, grab a copy of Vito's book, and maybe we'll have you back again and laugh a little bit more. My cheeks are so tired, but that's a good thing. Maybe I can get some of this chin to come up a little bit, you know? <laughs> oh, you look, you, you look fine. You look fine. Because, where, where are you? Where are you from? Where? What? Where are you in so, the country? Um, I'm in Texas, but I'm oh. a transplanted Texan because I'm originally from Indiana, but this is where I retired after I retired from the military. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to tell you, so you said your grandparents, your grandfather came over. He came over from Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah. They went through Ellis Island and so forth. Yeah. My great grandfather did too. So we have a lot in common, Vito. My great grandfather came over from Sicily and his last name was Montalano. Yeah. That's where they were from, Sicily. And you so, know, they got breast plaques. And you go out of sound, like you see the breast plaques with names on them? You know, it's crazy because I went to New York one time and I got on the ferry because I was going to go to Ellis Island. Yeah. I got on the Staten Island ferry and didn't even know it. So I snapped pictures uh, in the harbor away. Well, and then it was such a mess. Name, our name is, we got our name on one of those breast plaques. Really? Yeah. I had a friend of mine named Pat Lindsay. He's, he was saying, he says, Peter, he says, my parents came over in 1849. He said, you know, with the potato famine and so forth. He said, mm -hmm. we don't have any breast plaques. I said, no, you dummies. I said, you all died in the Civil War. You 
No, my great grandfather, and it's really funny because my great grandfather came over and he ended up in Missouri and married, um, he married a redheaded woman. And then that redheaded woman married a, um, a uh, and then they had my uh, grandmother. And my grandmother looked like a little Italian lady and she married a redheaded man. And they had my father who looks like an Italian man. He's got the dark hair and the, uh-huh. you know, creamy skin. And he married my mother who was a redheaded woman. And they had me, I'm a natural redhead. Obviously I dyed it pink. But and know- my husband is a dark haired, he's Hispanic. Uh, but, but it's crazy because every time they have a redheaded offspring, the redhead marries the dark haired, or if they have a dark haired offspring, they marry a redhead. My mother's a redhead. My mother's a redhead. Wow, we have so much in common. And, and I was a redhead. Really? And, and yeah, I was a redhead, and then it got like, got darker red, and then it turned white, and then it went on a holiday. And you know, when I people say, you know, I said, you know, I said, but you don't really lose your hair if you're a man. He says, no, it's nice. It just grows in different parts of your body. Said, you want <laughs> me to show you another parts of my body? You want to? See? No, no, we don't want to see it. We don't see. <laughs> you're like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> my dad's um, in his seventies, and he still has a full head of hair. Oh wow! And a full beard and everything, and it's still, it still has its dark color. Oh no, we never. Uh, no, we yeah. were, uh, we were three boys, and my, I had brother Joe who was, uh, he was killed in, in a naval accident when he was twenty-one, oh. uh, and uh, I look exactly like my father. My kid brother, who because of the bet wound up looking like my mother, exactly <laughs> like her. But my brother Joe who was killed. That he bet? Was, no, he had dark hair, but uh, and my brother Joe, my brother Joe had like like strawberry blonde hair, mm. but he was he was the one with the uh, he was the one with the charm and so forth. He played trumpet, played at the high school dances and so forth. And if you see a girl, he played a trumpet for her and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. We used to do all that kind of stuff, you know. Oh yeah, uh, charmers it, back in those days. You guys were all charmers back in those days. I don't know how any of the girls survived. I ju- I just don't. And nobody ever had the only. There was in my whole high school class. Okay, my kids see my kids see a, 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 a what do you call a, a high school graduation, and everybody looks like they're thirty five because they all worked on the docks at an early age and so forth, <laughs> except me, you know. Yeah. But but they 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 were just uh, it, it, there was only one guy that actually had sex in that. We all had condoms and so forth, and we had them. They, the only thing we'd had with that was it left a circle in your wallet. And at the time we graduated, we all threw them into the garbage because nobody. <laughs> we never had an opportunity to. Yes, we, life definitely changed. Well, Vito, <laughs> I'm going to let you get and and have your evening. I'm going to go spend my evening. I'm going to hang out with my doggies. I have had such a blast. I cannot wait. Like I said, to see the film, it has been a wonderful night getting to know you, getting to know your book. And I know that our audience is going to enjoy this. If they didn't get to watch it live, they're going to be able to watch it on the replay. We're going to have it over on the podcast format tomorrow as well. And we hope to see you again. Yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, it was. I, I enjoyed it. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank and again, you. And so the website is it began in Brooklyn.com. That's the easiest thing to remember. Yeah, everybody, make sure you go over there and check out the website. And if 
you guys enjoy watching the author's porch don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or on the podcast right here on facebook you can ask alexa or siri to play the latest episode head to our website catch our latest issue of the magazine came out in january our next one comes out in april and if you want to submit an article or poetry the deadline is the first of march we want to continue making authors dreams come true by providing them a platform to shine we'll see you guys next time if you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker visit our friends brendan and momsy of mastertalk.ca where they teach you how to use the power of your voice don't forget to stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from third day coffee seguin the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven go over to thirddaycoffeeseguin.com until next time my friends i'm cj that's Vito. Go read his books and write on. Bye, everybody. Bye, Vito. Bye-bye. Take care now. Bye. Bye-bye. The Author's Forge is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.